This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to episode 29 of Chicken Salad Manny's Ben Lost. And let me bring in my two co-hosts. First of all is a man who is used to hiding behind the sofa watching scary programs whilst having his fingers covered in face because he watched NXT 2.0 for a whole year. It's my 29 time returning guest host. It's Mr. Logan Crosland. Hello, Ben. And I, I'm just going to try and not fight you like Sammy before I fly. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> so, boys have, got to, boys have got to fight, haven't they? They've got to lay it all out. So, so that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> Good to be you know, you know, if you've got the choice between Charles and Tate Mello, you know, which one are you really going to go for? Let's be honest. That's a, that's a Sophie's choice for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> my, other, my other co-host is a man who nearly turned into a monster just a month ago when his beloved Drew McIntyre didn't win the world championship and also because we had to suffer the joys of the queuing system at Cardiff train station. It's Mr. Callum McDougall. Good evening, Ben. I had you popped me with the with the uh, with the memory of Cardiff train station. Yeah, that was um, that was possibly even more horrific than than, than watching the show we're about to discuss. That's, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it probably when we, when we, when the special relations reboot back up, but uh, that was quite the, uh, quite the experience. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> changing, changing uh, a train every 15 minutes to one o'clock um, to then having potentially one train before one o'clock was, was quite, quite the um, decision from Transport for Wales, but yeah, we will yes, we, we will dive more into that cheap plug, special issues coming back, woohoo Woohoo, indeed uh, Gentlemen though, we are not alone tonight because we are joined by a very special guest it's no trick because he's everybody's favourite treat it's Mr Tim Cable, good evening to you Tim Oh, well thanks for having me guys, that was a fantastic introduction I would like to just preemptively announce um, I fucking hate Bill Watts, and that is all. <laughs> that might be a slight clue as to what we are watching tonight. Callum had the pick of the show we were going to watch tonight. So, Callum, would you uh, like to tell the good ladies and gentlemen your thought process and what we eventually went for? Um, yes. So, it is a very spooky month, uh, given that it is uh, the October edition of chicken salad and I thought we will go down the Halloween Havoc route. Now I was uh, I was within the statute of limitations for Halloween Havoc 1991 because of one of Logan's other wonderful podcasts. Uh, so why not why think too long and hard about it and we just went for Halloween Havoc 1992. We did indeed. Um so you two would not have even been born yet, you and Logan. Uh Tim, I'm guessing you probably didn't watch this live either. 
No, didn't watch this live. Um, I, I was a live, um, but not really a WCW fan here in 1992. Um, and after watching the show, it, it shocks me that anyone was a WCW fan in 1992. But um, <laughs> I keep getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Well, it's okay. Uh, we do know one person who's a WCW fan in 92, and that is our very own Logan. Um, thanks for the Seven Months of Danger podcast. I know it's more the beginning part of the year, but uh, you, you, you're pretty you're pretty au okay with this kind of time period at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the earlier part of the year is uh, definitely much better, but uh, you, you can kind of see it falling apart as it goes towards 1993, which is, I think, probably one of the worst years. Uh, for the company, maybe not financially or anything like that, but definitely like creative and booking wise. So, um, yeah, definitely the early part of the year. We haven't actually quite made it to 92 on that pod, but we're almost there. I think we're finishing December on the next episode. So we'll actually get into 92 on the next one. But, uh, yeah, I, I've I've only probably seen this show. I watched it on the network before the network first came out. I've probably only seen it once, but I had the best of Halloween Havoc uh VHS growing up and it had the coal miners club match on it. So that tells you if this is, that's the best and most memorable match on this show that tells you a lot about uh, what we're going to talk about. So, yeah. <laughs> so let us go to our show tonight, which is Halloween habit night. Two. We are in the city of brotherly love. We are in Philadelphia tonight for Halloween habit night. Two. We have a very spooky opening package to open up with. We then go to the arena where we are joined by Tony Schiavone and Bruno San Martino. They broke down all the big matches tonight, including spin the wheel, make the deal between Jake Roberts and Sting. And then we see all the options on the wheel, including Steel Cage, First Blood, I Quit, Texas Death. Uh, pretty interesting choices. Uh, just bear that in mind. The Barbarian training video is also shown, and we find out that Terry Gordy is not here tonight. So it's Steve, the two Steve Williamses as stuck to death. Teams with Steve Austin, who is also known as Steve Williams, if you didn't already know, and they are challenging for the WCW tag title tonight. Rick Rude apparently also has two matches tonight, and Missy Hyatt is trying to find out who Rude has picked to be his special guest referee, and also gives away the fact he won't be taking part in the other match. She then throws it down to JR and Jesse. Who said WCW was uh, wasting money at this time point, having six announcers on one show? Jesse is dressed up for Halloween, and we get our first glimpse at Vladimir and Hat Guy, being that we are in W. We are in Philadelphia and all, I should say. Our first match of the evening is a tag team match, a six-man tag team match, sorry, between Michael Hayes, Arn Anderson, Bob Eaton, and they're taking on the team of Tom Zenk, Johnny Gunn, and Shane Douglas. I am going to throw this to our crock and roll podcast host, Mr. Callum McDougall. Uh, some 80s tag team royalty on display here. Okay, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's, first of all, like, you hear Bad Street USA coming out, and you think, oh, here we go, about Michael Hayes, and then he's followed up by Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is like a 1980s super team. Um, also, a, but a, a, a very strange combination of guys, if you're wanting uh, to put over your uh, young talent, as, with, as they found out very quickly. The the uh, the Philadelphia crowd were never going to boo. Uh, that just just this alpha male team that they had 
that they had to put together for for this match. The the, the young guys, and I put young and inverted in in them um, quotes there because <laughs> um, the Z man, despite being called young about a, a dozen times by Jr. and Jesse, has been around for fucking ages, um, even in WCW. But oh yeah, I mean what what a team. I, I refuse, by the way, to ever call Shane Douglas young as well. He he's always had the look of a man who's about forty. He does. I mean, it was it was it was quite a it was quite a pleasant change. Um, one of my only notes for this match was it was very strange to see Douglas as the plucky white meat baby face as opposed to the bitter bastard that he would become very short, uh, very shortly after this. You know what? This is late. <laughs> this is late ninety two, and he'd show up in ECW must have been ninety three time. So. With his with his dick flares and all that sort of thing, um, yeah. So very very strange to see. He's quite the dynamic dude, if you will. With his performance, I, I like I like that. That's very good. Very yeah. clever. <laughs> uh, Tim, like Callum says, you can't really make that many notes about this match because it's it's a it's a very basic, perfectly fine tag match. You know, there's not a lot that can be said here. It warmed the crowd up, but probably not in the way that the uh, Bill Watson and WCW High Brass were expecting. Yeah, that, that's kind of consistent with what I have as my notes as well. This is a, a short but sweet match. Um, I mean, decent choice of opener. I could have actually used a bit more of this one, given, I would say, at least uh, four out of the six guys involved. I mean, you know, when you've got talent like that just involved in your opener. Um, it's hard to go wrong, uh, but this is pretty quick. Um, gets out of there fast. I, th- I think one of the highlights is just Arn doing his very Arn thing of, of working over uh, Shane's legs and then uh, tagging out quickly to Bobby Eaton, who immediately goes up top um, and hits a, a flying knee drop onto the injured leg of, of Shane Douglas, just good tag team continuity there. Um, but that's the type of thing that I, I kind of wanted to see throughout like a longer version of this match. And, and we just don't really get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fully on board with this, this Philly crowd too, and supporting the heels um, because they, they are not on board with uh, the finish of this match. By any means, I mean not just the how the the uh, the babyface team goes over, but um, just I mean the fact that these guys won and it ended so abruptly, I, I think did not sit well with this crowd. I was, I was going to say, given the uh, time management constraints, we're going to go time management issues we're going to talk about later. The fact this was so constrained, that, like you say, it literally made a tag, and then twenty seconds later the match is over. It's like, what, what are you doing here, guys? Uh, exactly. What would you rate? Ed, sorry. Uh, I mean, I gave this one just a you know two stars. It just was a very like average match to me. Um, but that's not to say that that's not to penalize it. I just I, I wish it had been more. It just felt less complete, I guess, than it yes. could have been. Yes. Uh, Callum, same question to you because I didn't think I got the rating off you either. No, I I went I went a gentleman's two for the the um, purely. Marked out because it was a fucking face press that finished it in 1992. <laughs> I mean, Logan, we've already mentioned the crowd a couple of times, but that pop they gave off for the for that clothesline he put on to poor Tom Zeg. I, I still think Tom Zeg might be feeling that today. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my one of my notes is the crowd is super behind the heels. Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? So, um, yeah, they they were super behind the uh, quote unquote bad guys here. Um, but I felt bad for Arn and Bobby being in the, this random ass tag match with these schlubs. Uh, they were so good at the beginning of the year being a tag team. Uh, it would have been nice to see them have a little bit more of a featured match, but I guess at least they got on the card. Um, I thought Douglas and Zink were fine, but Johnny Gunn just seemed like he was walking in quicksand the whole time. He was real in slow motion, um, but I, I thought Douglas looked pretty good. And Zink was Zink is always all right. He's never gonna do. Uh, he's never gonna yeah. wow you or blow you away with anything. But um, he's definitely perfectly all right in the ring. Um, and as heard on the Danger Pod, uh, the referee in this match, Mr. Mike Adkins, is definitely on my referee shit list now. Uh, he lost com- <laughs> he lost complete control at the end of this match, so um, he didn't he didn't win any points with me there. And uh, yeah, the weird finish with the Thez Press I thought was a really weird uh, way to finish it. But I went a little bit higher than the other guys. I went two and a quarter. I went two and a quarter as well because I like say that clothesline deserved almost a star on its own for me. <laughs> Uh, after after the match, we then go backstage to Missy Halliott, who is still trying to get into Rick Rude's dressing room. Harley Race do, does appear and does get into the dressing room. Missy tries to follow him and gets shut out. And she says, quote unquote, this is apparently the first time she has never been invited into a WCW locker room. So many jokes, so little time, Missy. <laughs> Back to Tony and Bruno, who speculate why Harley is there. Ooh. These two, these were a regular pair of Sherlock's. It must have took them ages to figure it out. We then go to our second match, which is a contest between Flying Brian Pillman and Ricky Steamboat. Pillman is a heel here and is just a couple of months away from the formation of God's Tag Team, which is pretty much the high spot of 1993 in WCW. Ricky, though, is too pure and wholesome to be a Targaryen. That's a little House of the Dragon joke there, which obviously these three don't watch, so they don't get it. That's fine. <laughs> I got it, even though I don't get it. I watched the last episode, so... Uh, I mean, the fi- <laughs> as in the series finale last episode. Yes. So, so I know enough. Blood, violence, incest, what's not to like? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, Tim, I will go to you first on that actual match, and I will say... Uh, Giving Ricky Steamboat and Brian Pillman just 10 minutes in 1992 is a crime. Yeah, once again, those time management issues rearing their uh, rearing its ugly head very early here um, on this pay-per-view. Um, this is a great-looking match on paper, Pillman and Steamboat. Uh, one of those, like, maybe forgotten, overlooked, uh, hidden gems, perhaps. That's what I'm at least hoping going into this match. Uh, But the fact is, um, they don't get a lot of time. And, you know, Pillman is still a little bit green. Admittedly, this is is his debut year. But, I mean, he is a guy who gets it together pretty early. And, um, I mean, Steamboat can certainly be counted on to, uh, you know, fulfill the broomstick rule, much like Flair. Um, But it just, ultimately, it just kind of feels like a, a... very exhibition-y match. You know, there's just no real stakes here. Two guys going out there, um, working a match for the sake of working a match. Feels like it could have been just a TV match thrown out here on pay-per-view. Um, you know, maybe a better choice would have been to open with this. But again, I, I still think they need 
some more time. So we're, we're just having the same issues we did in our last match, um, just with two different talents, unfortunately. I also thought the finish was a little lame. I mean, it makes sense in the context of wrestling, I guess, with, uh, you know, Pillman has got this sort of crouching pin on a steamboat and steamboat sort of just jackknifes Pillman into a cover and just gets the win. So it just, I guess speaks to his crafty veteranship, but um, I don't know, just didn't really do it for me as a finish and as a, as a match in and of its own right. Maybe again, if this had been more, you know, just more of a high octane energetic, um, give it like five more minutes you can get away with that finish here, but it just, again, felt very truncated. So um, I, I gave this one a, ultimately two and three quarter stars. I wanted to give it three. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself there. So yeah, I, I, another, you know, disappointment here, um, given the two guys involved, you know, two and three quarter stars, nothing to really, um, you know, doesn't look like the worst rating, but for the, for a Pillman steamboat match, it's like, ooh, that's all they get. Wonder what happened out there. Mm. So, mm, yeah. Just keep just keep that hidden gem thing in mind for later on. For you know, for, there might be an award with that kind of title. Just keep, just keep that in mind. Yeah, I I will I will. Good maybe, good maybe good. Maybe I'll keep some keep some of that magic up. Keep another card up my sleeve, right? Hey, that's right. That's the one. Uh, Logan, um, I, what I did like in this, well, I, I liked the match a lot, but what I also liked was the way that Jesse was pushing on commentary, the fact that Steamboat was using some power and strength that he doesn't usually get to use in a match like in any match he's in because he's using the smaller guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I get where Tim's coming from. It did feel kind of exhibition-y, like this may not have had much buildup on TV, and it was just kind of two guys they threw out there together that they thought could have a good match. And they did have a good match, but at the same time, I, I just don't feel like the crowd was ever super into it. I feel like as much as maybe that opener wasn't the greatest combination of guys or the best match you could have thrown out there, I felt like at least the crowd was behind a lot of those guys. And I think they got into some of this match, but not as much as I thought they would have. They seemed kind of checked out. Um, but yeah, I do. I did like that Jesse kind of went on that about that. Uh, it's rare to see Ricky be the not not have the speed advantage, and also rare for him to have the power advantage overall. So I did like that little storyline through it. Um, they opened up with a pretty nice chop fest. They kind of went back and forth a, a little bit. Um, Steamboat uh, does the skin the cat at the beginning of the match, and I just think he probably is the most effortless person uh, to ever do that. He just he does it with such speed speed. Like I mean, I think a lot of people have to really think about doing it, but Ricky just kind of goes over and immediately does it, and it just doesn't even have to think about it. Um, but there was another there was a drop kick by Pillman at one point I thought was really great, but um, I went three, uh, kind of like Tim wanted to, but I, I just I did it anyways, I guess. But uh, I definitely get where he's coming from. Uh, but I thought it was a good match overall. Yes, I I also went three on it because like I say it was perfect. It was a perfectly good match, but like I say, but there's no there's no stakes on it. Then that's uh, that's sort of issue. Uh, Callum, as well as the very good match in the ring, this was the first chance that I saw Vladimir. It probably the most 1992 thing I can ever see somebody wearing as a wrestling fan, which was a WBF sleeveless gym top. Excuse me, I stopped talking away myself on mute. Oh. I, uh, I was saying that was a that is a very powerful look. 
That's, it takes a confident man to go out in the in the sleeveless WBF um, jersey uh, to a WCW show as well, um, and 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 you know, it's I, I wouldn't be able to do it. That's all I'm going. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm, he's more <laughs> well, of a man. Just than Vladimir, but straw hat guy is right next to him. Yes. Oh yeah, at least two of the. the <clears throat> Well, I guess we don't think of Vladimir as an ECW mutant, but um, <laughs> it's interesting to see both these guys, and they seem to be like hanging out too. Which I don't know. We'll, we'll get. We'll see later on. They they have quite a repertoire going between <laughs> the two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but speaking of fans, I I also pointed out. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was well. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, on the um, the the most obvious planted sign you will ever find at a wrestling show, the return of what's the return of wrestling? No, no twelve year old has written that. Oh God! No, no. Lord God Almighty! Straw Hat guy hasn't written that. Uh, no. Vladimir hasn't written that. He don't think that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm more right on the camera. So it's it's amazing how that that particular sign was 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 very close to a camera, unbelievable. Um, also wanted to, to to shout out the one guy who was starting to, to after hearing a, a Brian Sucks chant, uh, which was pretty loud at one point. One guy tried to get uh, Cincinnati Sucks going. I'm obviously not a big fan of the Bengals at this point, um, but I. I felt that I was underwhelmed by this match. It was, I think, it was, it was very good, but I built it up to be something in my head. I built it up to be something, and it was, it never quite got to. Um, I have, I've actually gone two and a half on. I was, I was very, very underwhelmed. Everything was, everything was perfectly fine, um, as you can imagine from these these guys. Um, I mean, they start at probably about two and a half, um, and it was, it was good. The end came out of nowhere. Because how often do you, I mean, and I don't, I don't mind it, um, having, like, how often do you see the, the, the guys do um, sort of that sequence, never ever get a pin. I think it's okay on, I think it's okay to do it on television, but I think if you're, if you're hyping, if you're hyping a pay-per-view, I think it's, it's a bit strange to, to, to pull it out there. Um, mm. It was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was. It was it was a match that you expected these guys to, these guys could do in their sleep, but um, yeah, it was just it. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's my fault, as I say, for building it up to be something that it, it wasn't. But it just it, it disappointed me a wee bit. Well, if it if it doesn't wait for you, it doesn't wait for you. Like, like you say, when there's no actual stakes on the thing, then and they don't, they only give it ten minutes. I can understand where you're coming from. To be fair, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. If, if if these guys get another five minutes with them, and and I think we'll go into it, they wasted a shitload of time on this show. If, oh. you, if you give these guys, if you take five minutes away from the umpteen bits of waffle that you'll get, <laughs> um, <laughs> one in particular later on in the show that I, I would I would point my finger I would point my finger at straight away. Take that off, but step for a hint. Bill Watts isn't going to delete that one, uh, given who's involved in it. <laughs> Um, yeah, give give it a give this an extra fifteen minutes, give it a proper finish, and I think it'll probably be in the three territory. As I say, it wasn't a kick in the ass off being a being a three, it was just disappointing. Excellent. Uh, Tim, you can put down up to bits of waffle into your uh, British 
Reggie's racist. Write that down. <laughs> um, Callum makes a good point though, because I mean the the character dynamics in this match were pretty spot on and pretty interesting. Where you've got kind of a newly minted heel, um, heelish at, at least um, Pillman against a, I mean, a, a always perennial, you know, baby face Ricky Steamboat, but Steamboat shows a lot of fire throughout this match. I mean, he's, he's kind of working um, almost a, a big man style against uh, Pillman, who is, I guess, a little bit smaller um, just physique wise, but I mean, he, he's really throwing Pillman around the ring and um, working a style that is pretty unlike Ricky Steamboat, I, I felt. And just to see more of that and to see it like pay off um, in the course of, again, a, just a, a slightly longer, um, more impactful match uh, could have been could have produced something special. But um, we don't really get there. And I, I appreciate the range of ratings on this one, too. <laughs> it's it's good, but you can see why you you'd want it to be great, but it never gets close to taking that step. And that's a fair comment. Yep. All right, gents. We then head backstage where Teddy Long is with the Japanese contingent, including Chono and Hiro Matsuda. He reveals that Kensuke Sasuke is going to be your special guest referee tonight. Uh, Teddy may be the worst interviewer ever. Thank you, Jim. I am here with Masahiro Chono. You know, he's 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 extremely wooden, bless him. And you know, he, he tries his best, but he it's not what he was meant to do. He's he's meant for giving out. He's he's meant for making tag team matches. Damn it, not for doing interviews. Uh, we then go back out to the arena where Tony is with Bill Watts, who reveals that Terry Gordy has been indefinitely suspended by WCW. So, Dr. Death, as we said, has picked Steve Austin to be his partner tonight. Watts also reveals that thanks to a pending injunction, Rick Rude is able to select anyone to wrestle in his place in the U.S. title match tonight. The person he has picked is Vader. I will go to Logan first before we talk about as we talk about this match, which is Nikita Koloff versus Big Van Vader for the WCW US Heavyweight title. Uh, I, I feel, Logan, we should have a little moment of silence before we talk, because uh, Sean is going to be quite upset because this is Nikita's final ever match, and it's quite a good match to go out on, to be fair. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid little bludgeon fest between two power guys. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those kind of matches. Um, but I, I, my first note is good Lord. The Vader punches are even more brutal when he doesn't have the gloves on. Cause you know, he usually has the gloves, the like UFC gloves on and it, it, I guess it pads it a little bit, but he has his bare fists on this one and he's just rocking freaking Nikita at the beginning of the match, just beating the piss out of him. Uh, there was a brutal whip into the steel guardrail at one point. I thought it was pretty nasty looking. Um, I, it's always worse when it's that like, you know, they're just the steel ones that are just, you know, they'll move real hard if you hit them, hit them really good and not the like, you know, completely, uh, uh, you know, the, the ones that they have nowadays that are just like uh, little pads and they're not even really, you know, metal or anything. Um, but yeah, I always thought it looked really nasty when they get thrown into that. But um, 
other than the obvious injury that uh, Nikita suffers throughout the match, you can't really blame Nikita for retiring after this because he absolutely gets his ass kicked in this one. He does get some offense and shows some fire uh, at, at points throughout the match, but he takes a hell of a bludgeoning from uh, Vader in this one. Um, and I thought the power bomb at the end was nasty to finish it, but um, I went two and a quarter on it. I enjoyed it, but uh, I don't think it was the best technical match out there, but it was definitely a bludgeon fest. Um, Callum, um, I mean, there are shit kickings and there is this. I mean, you know, Vader, Vader basically treated Nikita like he was a jobber on Saturday night. God bless him. Yeah, it was very strange to see um, because I, I, I'm used to seeing Nikita be the guy who takes liberties with, with jobbers on Saturday night. Um yeah, really, really. I mean, it was two guys who uh, let's let's be honest, and, and I may be doing Vader a disservice here. Maybe not the most technically sound guys in the ring, and I, I think you could see it when when they were brawling. It was good when they started to do when they started to do wrestling moves. It sort of broke down a bit. I think Gr pointed out. They said that's an inverted suplex. Um, no, they just got their timing wrong. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Vader was, <clears throat> Vader wasn't as you can, as you would expect, not pulling any punches. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was all right. I think Nikita right at the very start, going off the what we were saying about the crowd earlier on, the crowd are loving the old guys. Um, he looked, I think he looked overwhelmed at the sort of reaction he got. I think he was he was quite he was quite taken aback at, at how at how positive that the, the reaction was for him. He was he was to be fair. I think I don't know whether he was I don't know, like say like say he was just shocked by the the the, the fan support was unreal for him. Uh, Tim, we saw in this match this match sort of our first glimpse at like the what's era like so when they went outside you know there's no padding on the outside they were making a big deal out of you know the guy being clotheslined over the top vader being clotheslined over the top rope that's allowed because it's a no dq match i mean what's his rules are just bloody awful he says stating the bleeding and obvious yeah, again, I, I really, really hate the Bill Watts era of WCW, and I hate all his stupid rules. And I hate the stupid uh, administrative powers exploding to get us to this point in the show where we're having this match. Like, I'm not sure I really followed any of that. I gather, okay, this was supposed to be Rick Rude's spot, one of two matches Rude was going to have on the show, so I guess... Uh, Rude versus Nikita. That um, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. So somehow that's out, and we end up with this, and Rude is is able to name Vader as his surrogate. Um, I'm getting, like, uh, uh, interim champion, like, feelings off of this like AEW would do today type stuff but <laughs> anyway all that aside um and by the way point of order um i did not mean to suggest that 1992 was brian pillman's debut year i think i briefly fell into a time warp and thought that um <laughs> it was 1989 so just to keep myself from getting schmocked uh don't know, want that uh, it was, it was his debut. It was his debut year as a heel. You can. There you I go. I understood what you were. I understood the point you were trying to make. 
th- thank you for for uh, cleaning that up for me. Um, I'm just all over the map here. Sorry. Ultimately, <laughs> our our match is uh, Nikita Fuckoff versus Big Van Vader. Um, Let's fuck off. Look, uh, I much love to Nikita as a person. Honestly, he seems like a really solid dude. I've I cannot stand. Nikita Koloff character it just it really has always just grated on my nerves he'll face whatever I just I can't stand that character and yet and yet I really sort of dug this match um is it because Nikita takes such a shit kicking perhaps but he also looks good getting the little shine that he does like he he gets a pretty sweet looking shoulder block uh, uh Body slam, you know, a pair of near falls going on. That that uh, Russian sickle that sends Vader over the top rope. Of course, everyone's kind of bracing for the, the disqualification there um, because that's what you do in WCW. But we're reminded it's no no DQ, so that's pretty great. Um, get some cool brawling on the floor. This is where Vladimir and Hat Guy are really marking out. <laughs> I half expected them to jump the railing. They're getting so into it. So, I, and I think that helped me get more invested in the match also. Um, but Vader is just an absolute beast. Uh, as Logan pointed out, you know, the, the gloveless punches um, are so sick. Uh, he hits a, a middle rope splash at one point, which is just gross, um, that Nikita actually kicks out of. Um, but then it's, I mean, no hope for Nikita at all after after eating that power bomb, which is just um, so, so brutal and gives Vader a clean as it can be uh, when, you know, one, two, three, right in the middle of the ring. Um, and just, man, it, it was just like after after he pasted him on the outside to roll him back in, like yesterday's leftovers and power bomb him and just put him out of his misery was uh that's what you want to see from a Vader match really. So um maybe it's me being a Vader mark. Maybe maybe I I um I overestimate how much I enjoyed the, the ECW mutants at ringside, but um call me crazy. I gave this gentleman's three stars. I went I went three as well, Tim, so don't worry about it. Okay, and, and I realize that's a that's very indulgent of me, but I'm just like whatever, fine. It it is what it is. I enjoyed it that much. Yeah, but I think we you know I think we know what we've got to come. So I think you know you got you got you got to take some enjoyment where you can on this show. I I would suggest. Yeah, I could be could be a relative relative rating in in relation to other things. <laughs> and I think I said two and a quarter, but I think I actually had two and a half down. So. Okay. I actually, I actually went a little higher than I said. <laughs> uh, all right, that's cool. That's cool. I, so yeah. I, I think I, I don't think I, 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 I think I'm not playing by the rules tonight. I think I went to. I forgot oh. to tell you mine as well. Oh, you rebel! No, I know my. I'm gonna, Bad I'm gonna like, I'm gonna blame the fact that I'm not checking these things on the fact that it's like quarter to two in the morning. Let's just go, let's go with that. <laughs> and that's why I'm not giving you the. That's why I'm not giving you the details. However. <laughs> Details that I did find. Point of order for point of order for me, please. Um, as Jr. was Mr. Football Man, I know football. You know, a fans of Lyman at the University of Florida. <laughs> um, he talked about thingy. He talked about Vader having a Super Bowl ring. Why is Mr. Ross? And I'm glad that Jesse the Body Ventura was there to call him out immediately. However, I did just do some research on it. So 
In the 1978 NFL draft, Leon White was drafted as a centre by the Los Angeles Rams, the 24th pick of the third round, 80th overall. White's first season saw the Rams go to the the Rams go to the Super Bowl and earn uh, White an NFC Championship ring, which I didn't think they gave out. Um, White spent the season on the injured reserve list. He did not play a single down and registered no statistics. He was then forced into retirement by a ruptured patella. So not only did he not get a Super Bowl ring, he didn't even play a fucking game in the NFL. <laughs> and I am quite happy to call him a fraud because he's no longer with us and can't beat the shit out of me. <laughs> you, t- you tell, you tell his you, family in the state. Yes. Rest in peace, Leon White. You badass in the ring and you fraud on the gridiron. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean that's, I mean that's us getting sued. So you know, once. Thanks, thanks, like Cal. Uh, blame GR, blame GR. Who's? He got a Super Bowl ring with the LA Rams. That no, he didn't. <laughs> Fuck all. I love that Jesse calls him out on, out on it too. It's like I don't remember the Rams winning the Super Bowl. He <laughs> wouldn't let it go. He just kept kidding on him. There's an even better example of Jesse calling uh, JL out later on in the show, which I will, which we will get to. Um, <laughs> no no wonder just, Ross hated Ventura. <laughs> yeah, you, you could tell there was a bit of needle there, couldn't you? There was like was, they were quite uneasy with each other at times. <laughs> okay, and, you know, I'm not a big Jesse guy, honestly. Um, I mean, I, I like him, but just not to the extent as, as probably most people. But boy, is 1992 Jim Ross just the biggest stick in the mud. He's, man. <laughs> Gordon Soley would have livened up this commentary on a play-by-play compared to fucking 92 Jim Ross. Come, These two come have on, fucking anti-chemistry. They really do. It's it's <laughs> such, like, it is night and day watching or, or listening to Jim Ross and Jesse on commentary versus, like, a Tony and, and Jesse. Absolutely. So, uh, and, I mean, I, I know that's not an original observation, but it really, it really sticks out on a show like this where you've, you've got Tony handling hosting duties. You know, you could have, you could have handed that to, to Jr. quite honestly, and just, you know, get, get Tony and get Tony and Jesse out here. I mean, that, it really would have livened up what is a show that's going to, Rapidly go downhill from here. Uh, JR, JR would fucking love working with Sam Martino as well. <laughs> he would fucking clean yeah, his exactly. pants at the thought. Right? Uh, quick question, quick question, Callum. After the last episode that we did with the, where, where your rant went uh, viral almost. Um, so, which commentary team do you prefer, this one or Matt Stryker and Josh Matthews? Jesus, that's a Sophie's choice of shite right there. Um, <laughs> I have I have never liked I've never liked Matt Stryker. Not do not particularly care for Josh Matthews, a, a man who managed to have anti chemistry behind the desk with his own wife. Um, I, I have never I have never liked Jr. and Jesse because Jr. no sells everything that Jesse does. So bad. It is awful, and, and and this might be they. I am now starting to think that. Was JR ever, and this might go, I'm, I'm putting my neck out in the line here for a, an award later on, was JR ever good, or was he just lucky that he had a good couple of years when he had, when he was paired with the King during the Attitude Era? Oh. Because you watch this, you watch this, and he was 
rotten. You watch him now, and he's just a miserable old cunt. Excuse me. He's, <laughs> he's just a... Apologies. He's just a miserable old bastard. He got, you've, he, said, you've said it now. You've said it now. He didn't no, really... Cunt was he, correct. You were right. <laughs> he, he had a good run with Thingy. He had a good run with Heyman, and he had a good run with the King during the Attitude Era when it was really hot. But see when, it, see when shit started to go... But when shit started to go poor, or the stuff that was in the ring wasn't great... He could not give two flying fucks. Oh yeah, you know you know when JR couldn't care less. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. So a board board JR is a very bad JR. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm putting out there Jim Ross goat Jim Ross overrated of all time. Oh I, 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 I will I'm not saying it. I'm not putting I'm not going it's not how I'm gonna die on. I'm just putting it out there. Somebody, somebody wants that Sean Kidd award tonight. I'm just putting, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. On that bombshell, gentlemen, I think we should wrap things up for part one. So, for the aforementioned Callum McDougall, Logan Crawford, and Tim Cable, I'm Ben Locke, and we will see you on the other side. Nation, welcome back to episode 29 of Chicken Salad. My name's Ben Lock. I am here with Tim Capel, Logan Crosland, and Callum McDougall, and we are going to be back talking all things Halloween Havoc. Uh, just for Callum's benefit, though, uh, there is a battle ball lad. Callum, I'm sure you were very delighted to see this. I believe there was two during the night. There was two, because it is, I mean... Why would you not have to? You got to hammer home that the greatest event in the history of sport is is uh, is coming to town, coming to pay per view service near you in mere weeks. I wish, do you know what? I wish I was a fan at this point. My anticipation would be through the roof. <laughs> All part of Starcade though hasn't got its own pay per view just yet, so you know it's got to share. Starcade's got to try and you know live up to expectations. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it can. I mean, Sting. Vader, right, okay, okay, that's fine. The Great Moot is on there. All right, I'll give you that. It wasn't a great match, but it actually brings down. But the good thing is Battle Bowl was there to raise the profile of the show and keep there. the quality at a nice level. There you go. Uh, after Vader, the... King of Cable, has nothing on Battle Bowl is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that they're comparable. <laughs> you should I would. Know. I would rather have. I would rather have. I mean, are you going to watch? Are you going to watch? Want to watch just the tournament final? Or are you going to want to watch the whole thing in one night? That's what Battle Bowl <laughs> gives you. Gives you the whole tournament <laughs> on one plate. 
You should know by now, Tim, you cannot diss Battle Bowl in front of Cal. Oh, I, I can't. <laughs> After the advert, we then go back to Teddy Long, who is with the challengers for the tag team title tonight. And Dr. Death says that Steve Austin is his trick or treat, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Missy is then with the champs, with Barry Windham saying that there are no problems between them. But Steve Williams couldn't have picked a better partner for tonight. And that all leads us to our world tag team title match for this evening, which is Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes versus Steve Williams and Steve Austin. The real reason that Gordy isn't here tonight is because he wrestles for all Japan wrestling and WCW had gone into business with New Japan, which is an argument I never really got because the two groups were nowhere near each other on the card. So there's no need for Gordy to miss it. I, I understand loyalty, but you know, you can, it, it, it wasn't needed in this situation. Um, I'll, I'll go to Callum first because Callum, let's strap ourselves in because this is a long ass match and, uh, not a particularly entertaining one, or at least I didn't think so. No, no. Um, <laughs> what <a reaction. laughs> I, 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 first of all, I, my first note is that I proclaim the challengers to be Steve Williams squared. Um, <laughs> four of the best ever, hard hitting, and then my next. Uh, no, as a criticism as to why it has to go 30 minutes. We know why it has to go 30 minutes because they are piss poor at time in a show. They clearly don't have any um, faith in, in anyone else on the cards to thingy, which, you know, you've got a massive eight, eight, 16 person tournament coming up next month, guys. Get some faith in your thing. Get some faith in your roster. You can actually put on more than uh, more than whatever, six, seven matches and, and not make one a fucking half hour snore fest. Um, I see that. And saying that, it wasn't. I wasn't a snorefest. I'll take that back. It was. It was it, the bits that they were. The bits that they got going on were, were were very good. And you've got four guys in here that that that, that know how to work. Know how to construct a good a good wrestling match. Three of them. I admit I've not seen a lot of Doctor Death, but three of them are three of the best you'll ever see. Um. So when it got going, it was it was. Very, very good. Uh, but there was the, the long bits in between it getting going were quite crap. Um, also crap, and I think Logan might also have this, um, I was really taken out by the absolutely bullshit refereeing from Rand. Was it Randy Anderson was the ref? Was the ref uh, and Patrick one? came in at 1.2, but yes, all, yeah. all completely bullshit. Yeah. So Pee-wee... Um, not to face, like, not admittedly, not looking in the general direction of what was happening. However, he was facing the same direction. Wasn't looking directly at what, what was happening. Looking in the same direction, though. How he doesn't see a six foot five, two hundred thirty pound man flying out of the ring on his peripheral vision? It didn't even <laughs> catch his attention. Is is to me corrupt? Okay, and he's investigated. By the NWA board of directors, that was total bullshit refereeing. Up there with the likes, not seen in many a year since Tommy Young retired. Um, wow. The I, I, my last note is what a moronic couple of false finishes. I, <laughs> I, I don't I, I I haven't written down a rating for this one because I thought I found it very difficult to rate. I think I may go. 
to confirm my rating when everyone else has spoken. Oh, you tease. Jeez. <laughs> you see where he's, see where he's done there? Uh, now, Tim, our good friend, Jennifer Smith, um, she makes a very good point when she says, talk about time limit draws. Um, draws suck. Yeah, they really do. Especially when you've invested this amount of time into a time limit draw. Um, that, that was a very cowardly move by Callum, although I do applaud it because <laughs> I was going, I was going to, to um, actually bide my time and quietly on the sidelines uh, do the same thing. Uh, because <laughs> I, I, I found that. this match extremely difficult to rate as well. I kind of wanted to get um, a range of opinions before I sort of committed to, to my rating because it's, here's the thing, like, it's very good until it isn't, and then it finishes kind of strong, except the actual finish is such shit that you almost want to dock it yet again. So it's a very, like, up-and-down sort of match, and boy, does it have time to uh, put you through the paces. I mean, this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a, a match with a 30-minute time limit. Correct. That, goes to the bell the full 30 minutes here um and, and we get updates periodically throughout the match of where things stand in terms of timing um and it's just you don't i, I didn't expect this match to to go to, to go the distance by any means um especially given as hot as they start um i i really like the chemistry on display between dustin and uh dr death in particular they're just these these two two slabs of texas meat smacking smacking <laughs> smacking beef as they say um something like that anyway uh it just you know that that really worked for me they work at a very fast pace as well which you don't necessarily expect um from these you know dr death in particular i've never been a huge mark for the guy I certainly don't want to share the don't share the enthusiasm for a Steve Williams that uh, Jim Ross or a, a Bill Watts does, but um, I don't know. I thought he, he definitely showed up for this match as does uh, Steve Austin, who I dare say is an improvement over what we would have seen with, uh, with Dr. Death's regular partner, Terry Gordy. Like I, I like those two guys individually well enough. I've never really been, on board with them as a tag team just because it's such like i don't know it's it's like it, it feels like bill watts porn basically and nobody <laughs> wants that nobody nobody wants to know what bill watts jerks it to um <laughs> and yet we we can't escape it uh so yeah i i thought that um you know for a makeshift tag team the williamses the steve williams squared um, look pretty good here, even though Steve Austin does look like a full-sized version of Tony Gresham, um, if you're familiar with him, who was a very diminutive wrestler. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we start off really hot, then settle into a more leisurely pace. We get some, we get some rest holes, which I understand, um, but it doesn't, I mean, I guess ultimately it's that middle stretch where it really your your attention is really challenged, right? This is where you're going to start checking your phone, 
this is when you're going to look at your other windows you've got open and you're going to wait for <laughs> something to happen. Like it's hard to keep your focus during that, that middle stretch of the match, but uh, things do pick up quite nicely towards the end here. Again, we, we get some false finishes that aren't terrifically executed. There's one where like the illegal man gets pinned um, and then they turn it around, but that still doesn't get the pin. We've got like two minutes left. So at, once you're down to like that two minute warning, you're going, okay, this is, this is going to be a time limit draw. Um, and you know, your, your attention has already been challenged up to that point. Cause you're going, gosh, really 30 minutes for this, but here we are. And, um, I don't know. It, it kind of peters out. Um, when we get to like, there's a, a, tombstone reversal sequence which i am always really game for like i drop trial for a a good tombstone reversal if you get oh, yeah. a double reversal then i'm gonna just um release in my pants but uh we don't we don't quite get that uh but we do get a pretty sick tombstone from uh dustin i figured he would he would go for the pin and then time would expire but I don't know if their timing was off or what, but ultimately uh, Austin has to kick out of that move and, you know, Dustin is left standing there looking a little lost and, you know, sort of puts the boots to Austin for the next couple of seconds as time expires. I, I have a feeling that that wasn't the intended finish and their timing was just <laughs> off, but I, I, you know, I could too. be wrong about that one. All told, um, this really should not have been a 30-minute match, but the fact that they did ask these four guys in particular to go out there and do it for a half an hour, um, that is a vote of confidence. And I am I am impressed that, for the most part, uh, they kind of kept up their end of the bargain. So I'm kind of talking myself into it, and I'm talking this match up, and I'm thinking it's by no means a classic, but I'm going to give it, three and a quarter. Ooh, I, don't I think would... it necessarily deserves it. I think you could take 10 minutes off of this match, done the exact same match, but in 20 minutes and given like those, those uh, extra 10 to like our opener or, or to uh, Pillman steamboat would have been better time management, but I'm not the booker. Well, All I can do is, is rate the match that, presented to us and uh bless these guys hearts for going out there and not just not just delivering a plotting mess which yes there'll be more opportunities on this show to see a real <laughs> plotting mess uh now i'm gonna declare as well so i went two and three quarters on it because it was technically fine but it yeah i mean here's the thing i can see a com- total range of, of i could see any everything from dud to like I don't know if you could justify four stars, but like, again, I'm in the three star range. So yeah, yeah. I could, I see every argument for it, just a wide swath, swath of ratings here. Absolutely. Uh, Logan, um, I'm, I'm afraid I've made an egregious error here because uh, guess what? You know, well, the challenges are, the challenges are Steve Williams and Steve Austin or Steve Williams squared, if you will. And they're, they're taking on a tag team, Consisting of Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes, and Dustin Rhodes has a nickname. Uh, I don't know if you know it at all. Well, they call him the Natural. Natural. Natural as can be. They call him the Natural. 
That drums naturally. He's the son of a son and son of a gun. The hostas a rodeo bulldog. He's the natural one. Thank you very much. I'm going to style it out. I was going to do it when you came to me anyway. So. Yeah. I, I'm going to style it out and pretend I didn't forget about it until Callum started talking and say that I meant to put it here. Totally. That was totally meant. Um, I'll tell you what annoys me the most about time draws, Logan. I don't know how you feel. It's just the lack of the, the lack of I don't give a shit like pacing that the slow pace the challenges work out because it's like competitor says five minutes five minutes to go five minutes remaining and steve williams just locks on another headlock for yeah, example yeah you would think he would show a lot more hustle rather than going for a hold yeah yes. that bothers me too yeah That's a good and point. It, yeah and it was like i feel like there were like two minutes remaining or something like that it was like or maybe even a minute it was somewhere in the last like two minutes or so they he says the not number or whatever and i just felt like justin for like the first 15 seconds of whatever that time period was was busting his ass and going for bulldog and spine buster and all you know just a bunch of moves back to back and it just like nothing happened it was just like he suddenly stopped caring that there was so little time left so it was like yeah I, that that's a big problem with these long time limit draws as you can kind of tell that they're working towards that i feel like with the 15 minute like tv titles pay-per-view matches uh they can kind of work a match and not have to like kill a bunch of time um but these 30 minute uh and even 60 minute time limit draws things can get a little iffy i actually did go uh the same as tim i went three and a quarter i thought the opening was hot like you said uh Rhodes and Williams kind of going at each other. Dustin's fire anytime he got in the ring and he can't, anytime he came in with the hot tag was always awesome. He's so good at just coming in the ring and taking out uh, his opponents. Um, his athleticism for how big he is has always amazed me. Uh, it's just a true marvel of the wrestling business because he's just so agile and he's such a big hoss of a human being. Um, I thought Williams and Austin really did a good job of working over both uh, Rhodes and Wyndham. Uh, throughout the match, especially when they were working on Rhodes, I feel like they really beat his ass and kind of uh, wore him down pretty well. Um, there were some stiff punches by Williams at one point that actually bust uh, a cut that Rhodes had over his eye. Uh, I thought the false finish with like two and a half minutes left was just stupid, and everything after that was just like a muddled disaster. Um, I also said fuck a time limit draw. That was one of my notes. Um, it was a it was a really good match, but it could have been like all time. I think if they had like tighten it up a little bit like y'all said maybe given 10 minutes to a match earlier or five minutes here and five minutes there i think it could have really been a really good match because i think all four guys are really really good and uh, i think there was a great match in there but it just it, they were given too much time and they had too much tough stuff to fill so like i said i went the same as tim i went three and a quarter but it could have easily and probably should have easily been four or higher now, before I get Callum's rating, now he's heard what we've all said. Uh, my other issue with this match is quite simple. It's a three-minute time limit draw, but you've got the tag team of Steve Williams and Steve Austin. It's a makeshift tag team. JR even makes the point that they've never tagged before, and they didn't even know they were tagging with each other until earlier today, which now I'm thinking about it out loud. Maybe they were trying to go for a miracle violence connection time limit draw, and they've just kept the same book in. That that's probably right, I, right. now I'm now I'm now oh. I'm talking it out. That's probably what's happened here. So Callum, now you've heard the full range of opinions. What are you going for? Um, I will in this time of need because I looked at that. I I actually did some research. 
Okay, oh. I was looking up different reviews of this just to see what to get an idea of what um, this was going for. Um, some I saw somebody give it four and a half. Really? Um, yes. I, well, I mean, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of reviews are fours. Mm-hmm. I'll say that I saw. Holy shit! Uh, I, I was definitely interested to know, like, what is like a like the PT the PWO guys like? What would they make of a match like this? And I could see them being high on it. Um, and I, I'm not trying to cast aspersions or anything. It's just that I am very interested in the range of thoughts on this match because. Honestly, I, I, even if they kept the same booking as we would have gotten with, you know, a Miracle Violence connection, I, I think this is probably the better match than you would have seen with, with Williams and Gordon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But in this time of need, Ben, I will revert to our Lord and Savior, Mr. David Allen Meltzer, and I will give this <laughs> match three stars. He's our Lord, he's our Saviour, so, you know, and he's always right. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we then go to Tony, who is with Paulie Dangerously, Harley Race, and Vader. And Paulie reveals that Vader and Harley will get the winner's purse for beating Nikita earlier on. Medusa stops all this gloating. And, but, by thank, but thanks, Vader and Harley, on behalf of Rick Rude for winning the title. Paul E goes on a sexist, misogynistic rant on Medusa, who says she was only hired to take care of Rick Rude's needs, and the other hooker he had in mind wasn't hired due to a previous obligation. In 1992, kids, you can get away with saying things like that. Paul fires her on the spot, tries to spell it out to her, but puts his hands on Medusa, which earns Paul a kick and a beatdown that wakes the crowd up and has Vader and Harley running away from a fight like two school kids who've started the fight but don't want to finish it. Uh, we will see what happens with this on part 86 of the Seven Months of Danger podcast. <laughs> I don't think we're quite going to get that far, but... <laughs> I think part 86 is quite reasonable. That's true. Uh, Sting then comes out to spin the wheel, make the deal, as we get some badly lit Halloween ornaments you would get in your garden showing up. The wheels rise up, the wheel rises out of the floor as a sledgehammer. As a sledgehammer, I've lost my place, boys, let me get that right. The wheel rises out of the floor as a stagehand moves the lever into place. I know where I got a sledgehammer from. Uh, Tony comes out to get Sting to spin the wheel and it stops on the coal miner's glove as someone forgot to gimmick the wheel and just Sting just walks away Jesse then has to explain exactly <laughs> what I'm sorry. Coal- I, I feel like he audibly said what the fuck is a coal miner's glove man? <laughs> basically it's a glove on a pole match that's, that's kind of all you need to know and somewhere a young Vincent Russo's ears prick up. <laughs> Our next match, gentlemen, is for the NWA title, which is between Rick Rude and Masahiro Chono. Gary Capetta introduces us to a couple of people at ringside. First, Seiji Sakaguchi, who is the president of the NWA. And we then get Olympian Manubu Wakanishi who placed 11th in the 1992 Olympic Games at the 230-kilogram wrestling contest. Uh, Tim, 
would you like to have would you like to know who he eventually became? Um <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Yes, I would. Sorry. There, I was yeah. uh reflecting on uh, some some pre-show discussion and, and the way that you <laughs> phrased that was very funny. <laughs> He had to be there, folks. Sorry. Please tell me who he eventually became. Thank you, Tim. He became Kurosawa, who broke Hawk's arm, of course, and did many other things oh. in 95, 96. That's right. That's my one bit of research for this evening. Um, but, Tim, I will stay with you for this match because uh, not for oh, too far. We've done it. Good God. Good God. <laughs> this was a shit. Um, I don't, I don't even know how to talk about a match that challenges your, your interest, your, your ability to stay focused. Um, I think you must have some super anti, um, ADD if you're able to keep your eyes on this match without... (laughs) attention span wandering or without falling asleep which both things happen i it took me four sittings to get through this match oh I, honest to God. <laughs> I i couldn't do it i couldn't do it and i'm i'm a pretty like you know once i set out to to watch something i'm, I'm usually pretty good about all right you know this may, may not be the best in the world but you know we get through it i mean how bad can it be this really challenges the notion of how bad can it be? Um, uh, I don't, I don't know what happened here. I, there was, who was it that, who, who told us, apparently these guys had like an all time classic in Japan. That was me. Sometime before this, which like right before this, honestly. Yeah. Like right before this, I mean, does footage of that match exist? I can't imagine subjecting myself to this again, but um, I don't know. It, and it, maybe it's that whole thing about, uh, how Bill Watts, supposedly Bill Watts doesn't like for Japanese stars to get over, but so much on his shows. I don't know how much truth there really is to that, but I, I or maybe that's more of a, that's always what's been said about the, the Chono Muda match that we see at Starcade, um, which is sort of equally dreadful um, later this year. And I guess I had never seen this match before. And I, I thought that that, again, that Muda Chono match was kind of the worst shit ever, but this really, this is a lot worse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, again, it's difficult to grade because I'm like, I'm, sorely tempted to dip into negative star territory for this one i really am um all told i which is not unprecedented for this show i i think didn't uh warrior hogan to get like a negative five stars from somebody Mine, i think i gave, i think i gave it i think sean gave it negative five i, I went negative four on it <laughs> yeah um I guess I'll be half since I'm the first person to talk about it and I'm the guest, I, I will be halfway diplomatic and I'll give it the gentleman's dud. <laughs> We've never had a gentleman's dud before. 
Now, Callum, you'll be pleased to know. Again, you can tell I've done a bit of research for this show. So, um, I've I've managed to uh, get the times down for some of these rest holds. Would you Would you like to know how much time? Oh, I, I would love yes, please. So, I mean, also when I'm talking about this, um, if we're talking about bad officiating, let's talk about Harley Race completely org- ignoring a arm getting dropped three times when a headlock was being put on. Uh, that particular headlock went on for 110 seconds. There was a Chono SCF attempt that took up a full minute. There was a chin lock from Rude, which took up 140 seconds. That was at the point there where the crowd stopped giving a shit and they were looking at something into the crowd. Um, so, like, like I say, if you like your rest holds and you like your rest holds on for a long time, this is the match for you. Now, this match was 22 minutes long. Now, I, from a quick arithmetic there, that was almost five minutes of rest holes he put there, and that's by no for anyone who hasn't seen this match, that's by no means it finished. Um, I would argue that. The, so, sorry, the, I would also sorry. like to know the total number of seconds that are spent uh, just stalling, just walking around the <laughs> ring. I know that Rick Rude loves loves his rest holds, but. Man, this is on another level. This is on another planet. To to hear that this thing only was only twenty two minutes long, this felt like an eternity. It just holy shit. This broke the time space continuum. This match. Oh, it was yeah. oh fucking terrible. So I I've managed to get I've managed to get two thirds of a page of notes on this. So. <laughs> <clears throat> so you knew I, I would argue Ben that the crowd didn't give a shit from the minute the bell rang because the minute the bell rang all you heard was we want flair and it was one of the loudest things you heard all night we knew that this match was going to go into the shitter straight away because Rick Rude does not have a moustache and Rick Rude did not come out with Simple Ravishing he came out with some shite remix of the NWOB team theme Um. There was a fight in the crowd, as you've mentioned, that popped the crowd more than anything in this match. And JR fucking acknowledges it. Like the, <laughs> like the fucking twat that he is. <laughs> um, this match... Okay, so the, the, I've just found that our Lord and Saviour, David Allen Meltzer, oh, um, yeah. has rated the... So the, the, the classic that they had is from the final of the G1 in 92... Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. He, he gave this one minus three. That is a that is a seven and a half star swing on a five star scale. <laughs> that is outrageous. This match, and I cannot stress this enough, was absolutely fucking shite. I've got a note, my last note is a decent last 90 seconds does not make up for the massive steaming 20 minute doo-doo pile that came before it, dud in capital letters. This was fucking awful. (laughs) Just tell us what you really think. (laughs) Honestly, I should learn to form an opinion. (laughs) Now, now, Logan, we have reviewed, as Tim mentioned, we have reviewed many, many matches for this podcast. Um, And we're not afraid of dipping into that negative stars territory i will say however pretty much most of the negative star matches we give are between people who are at least one of them isn't an actual wrestler or in like 
Hogan and Warriors case, you know, one or both competitors are way past the prime. This is meant to be two guys in the prime of their career, and they and they put this on. Yeah, and it's like insulting that I mean, uh, it's probably based on the Watts thing that Tim kind of mentioned, but it's kind of insulting that they put on apparently a five star match, which I'm not sure any of us actually believe is, exists or happened or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, it's even more insulting that they did that before and just completely. Uh, shit the bed here i thought the intro to this was completely convoluted it just led to how convoluted and bullshit the match was um they they just did all the coin flipping and all the referees and who was inside who was outside i was confused you know i I said i forgot to mention that but yes the the whole bullshit so so it was already just yeah, yeah yeah it was just already my head was spinning um, great rude tights as always, so I'll give give them that. Um, I, I haven't seen the match uh, that we've mentioned a few times with Chono that was in Japan, but I, I'm gonna make a controversial statement, and I don't think it's super duper controversial, but it might be to somebody. But I think recruited from an in ring perspective is very overrated. He has, and I think we probably came up with the five earlier. He probably has five good matches in his entire career, and two of them are with the Warrior, which people say can't work at all. So the fact that his two of his best matches are with that guy are pretty, pretty bad. But um, I think he's great, great character. His presentation, uh, anytime he's on the screen when he's not in the ring, is pretty good. But bell to bell, he's uh, pretty average. I won't say he's bad, but he's just not like all time or even great. I'd say. Um, the crowd couldn't be less less interested in this match. There's a fight in the crowd at one point that actively start cheering for that and not even watching the match. I'm not real sure even what the finish was. Um, and uh, I actually looked up a review for this, and I have it saved in my photos. Uh, it's the top ten list of things that would be more entertaining for this match. So if you don't mind, I'm going to run through that real quick. I um, would love to. Number ten, watching paint dry, blindfolded. Number nine. <laughs> Organizing your paperclip collection. Eight, sorting your tax-deductible business expenses. Number seven, dubbing a best of AWA tape using only Larry Zabisco matches, uh, which might insult uh, Sean Kidd. But um, any, anyway, number six, watching a documentary of a of a three-toed sloth on the Discovery Channel. Um, number five, three words: Monday night curling. Uh, number four, being ring- ringside for the best of 29 falls match between Viscera and Midian. Number three, uh, rewatching Shane Douglas versus Tully Branchard while taking Valium. Number two, <laughs> helping my roommate catalog his tape list match by match. And number one is rationalizing this era of WCW. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Now, but that, Cal- that's from the Smart Grant, Smart Grant uh, review of four, on 411 Mania, so I don't get sued. <laughs> now, I, I was going that's to say, special right there. I, I was going to say, Logan, now you're talking to two proud British people and one very proud Scotsman. You cannot diss curling. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. No, Monday Night Curling is actually um, appointment television in this household. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would, I would like to change my. Just thinking about it, can I change my rating, please, Ben? Is that allowed? Okay. So, did you say that Hogan and Warrior got minus five? I believe if I Logan might know, remember better than me, but I believe Sean gave it minus five. Yes, okay. I, I, I know I went minus four. I would like to take the executive decision, and and I'll, I'll put this one to the board of directors, um, sitting in front of me just now. I would like to give this one minus six. 
because at least <laughs> at least Hogan Warrior had the botched fireball spot and Warrior's little commando roll spot. Um, you at least had at least you had some redeemable comedy, un- unintentional comedy, but comedy nonetheless. This I would I would have rather stuck hot pokers in both of my eyes. Whilst ripping my sack off with a with a rusty chainsaw, that's how bad this was. Jesus. Well, well, Cole Lawler for me got negative infinity stars, so nothing ever. Uh, okay, this is negative infinity plus one. This was absolute <laughs> shit. I, I I can tell you the ten things I did. I looked into the history of of, of um, coal mining in Philadelphia. More on that to come. I went and put I went and put my washing on. I hung up the previous the previous washing that I took out of the washing machine. All whilst this is happening in the background, this gif of a match was happening in the background because it was Irish whip clothesline headlock Irish. Whip. I thought my fucking network had broken. This match, honestly, this is I think I, I, I'm beginning to say this quite a lot, but this is the worst match I have ever seen in my life. Welcome, right. to the, welcome to the podcast, kid. I, I know now, that's the whole. I know it's the whole point of the whole premise of the podcast. But the, the, you're meant to enjoy yourself doing this. At least I try and enjoy myself. I didn't enjoy this at all. This was fucking terrible. So let me get right. So Tim it. went to gentleman's door. You're going minus six. I'll split the difference, Logan. I'm going to go minus three. So where are you going to sit? <laughs> I, I'll just go dead. I, I it take it takes a lot for me to go uh, negative. So I, I'll, I'll yeah. just stick with that for now. You have overrated this match, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, evidently we have. Um, for me to go negative, it has to do something like, I don't know, like actively insult me. And I, I don't think this guy, I mean, it's, I guess I can't begrudge you if you did find this personally insulting, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so old. It's, it's, it's one of those like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this match, right? Like it's, <laughs> you know. It didn't throw my sister down a flight of stairs or anything, and I and I've definitely watched some matches that felt like they they threw a beloved relative down a flight of stairs and kicked my dog. And this one didn't quite get to that level for me. That's a one positive. Didn't throw a sister down. The didn't throw didn't throw any loved ones down a flight of stairs. Oh dear. Compose yourself, Ben. <laughs> it, it didn't beat a bag of puppies with a baseball bat and throw it over a bridge. It tried its fucking hardest, though. <laughs> oh, dear, right. From one, from one extreme to the other, because then we, we go from that to another of these training videos for the Barbarian, where he learns this time, having learned how to be body slammed, he learns how to have bits of tiles and brick put onto his stomach to be chopped and stuff. It was, yes, it's as interesting as it sounds. Which leads us to our world tile match, which is Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian. My first note, gentlemen, reads, yes, the Barbarian really is in a world tile match. Ron comes down to ringside with a security and an entourage, including Teddy Teddy Long, and apparently Burt Reynolds is a big Ron Simmons fan. I'm Callum, after the last match, I feel we needed a little palate cleanser, and this was a perfectly okay power match. This, this, this was fine. This was, this was fine. Um, I think it says more to the. I think world title challenger Barbarian 
speaks to the Bill Watts' inability to change his booking if something goes wrong or something changes. So he's changed. He had this spur-of-the-moment decision that I'm going to make Ron Simmons the world champion. Well, it seems spur-of-the-moment anyway. It, but hasn't changed then. Didn't give him various bookings. Didn't do anything. He was probably meant to face the Barbarian on this show anyway. I thought I'll just make it for the world title. What great, fucking great idea that was. Um, Simmons' world title run was dead on arrival with with that with that sort of decision making. You could have had a rematch with Vader on this show. Um, anything would be better than the Barbarian. And saying that, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad match, but you're not. It doesn't exactly scream. Um, put this on a marquee and it'll it'll, it'll sell out thousands and thousands of tickets. Um, there, there was a there was a fair few rest holes in this one as well. To be fair, so I've got rest hold havoc nineteen ninety two. Ron Simmons is very very over with the crowd. He's very very over with me. I do love about Ron Simmons, um, and it was it was fine. It was fine. It, it did what it needed to do. Um, so I have given I, I gave it a, a gentleman's one and a half. I've noticed that there are several gentlemen's ratings going round tonight. Um, Logan, I also made the same note about the chin locks and uh, rest holes, and I said the crowd, I'm sure, really appreciated it after the last match, um, which led me to another segment uh, between J, another argument between JR and Jesse uh, about the rest hole called the Shino Namake, uh, which Jesse then decided to butcher all match long afterwards. Yeah, when JR first said it, it sounded like he said Shino Namake, which is really the reason I think. Uh like s-h-i-t instead of s-h-i-n <laughs> I, I think uh i think that's why jesse kind of made him repeat himself because it kind of sounded like he said shit instead of shit um but yeah that was a good little uh back and forth there and uh you know jesse kind of ribbing him the rest of the match about it um but yeah the the whole training montages with cactus and barb were so weird and just out of nowhere and ridiculous which i'm glad they pointed out how ridiculous it was and how uh, much cactus and barb being a thing, barb, barbarian being a thing was kind of uh, weird. Um, I thought Ron Simmons coming out with the entourage of people he came out was very weird, and there were like a hundred of them, it seemed like. Um, Ross says something about the WCW title it, that it's the most coveted title in the wrestling world. And while I know the NWA title is not technically their world title i feel like saying one of your world titles being more coveted than the other is kind of stupid and ridiculous at the same time i know that's a random thing to point out but i heard that and was like i, I don't think one's more coveted than the other if, you, if you're gonna have two um but uh, not many wrestling moves in this one until uh barbarian randomly locks into cobra clutch lots of strikes uh lots of uh, not not very many wrestling wrestling holds in this one uh, I thought the landing on the power slam that uh, Simmons eventually uh, wins with was kind of gross. I feel like uh, Barbarian kind of landed on his shoulder. Um, I thought it was a perfectly fine match with absolutely no crowd heat. No, nobody could give a shit about this match. Uh, I think the crowd was really subdued uh, when it wasn't one of the like classic Crockett favorites uh, out there like it was in the opener. Uh, so uh, I, I'd also win a gentleman's one and a half. Excellent. Um, now, Tim... I'll say it because I unless you unless he was injured, um, why didn't we get Cactus Jack in the world title match here? Oh yeah, that is a good question. He probably was injured. This seems to be a period when Cactus Jack is sort of 
building his own little, I don't know, great value stable of misfits. You know, you got him <laughs> doing the train, the really ridiculous. But I, I appreciate that that they are included on this show. We get these training montages with the barbarian. Um, and also, he, I guess he sort of is in cahoots with Jake the Snake, which more on that later. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe he was injured, but they were trying to sort of uh, keep him involved and, and keep him in, in the mix with uh, various feuds here. Um, really hard to believe that the Barbarian got started with WCW in as early as 1992, isn't it? Because uh, he really sticks around right through to the end, doesn't he? Like, uh, I remember him being a fixture of, of even yes. like the Nitro era. And God, remember that that dreadful uh, last iteration of the the first family with Jimmy Hart mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Hugh Morris and, uh, and Jerry Flynn. The face of the feet. Um, it? It's uh, <laughs> and Brian Knobs is in there and too, Brian Nobbs right? As well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's um, man. He uh, they really got some mileage out of out of Barbie here. Uh, you know, from his return here in 92 uh, or debut here in 92, I guess. But um, as for a match, I don't know. It was giving me, I, I think because Rude Shono uh, gave me the wrestling equivalent of PTSD, um, <laughs> seeing a ma- another match right on the heels of that, that was pretty rest hold heavy, not nearly to the extent as, as the previous match, but still anytime they, they went in, for kind of a longish rest hold, I was like, oh God, here we go again. We can't, we can't do this twice in a row, but um, this one does not overstay its welcome, fortunately. And it's a decent enough little showcase for Ron. And I, and I think it, that is exactly the purpose that it's meant to serve. Uh, much like Callum, I actually have a lot of time in the world for WCW Ron Simmons. Um, I don't know. I just, I especially like his work with Vader. Um, you know, even going back to Doom, pretty cool tag team. So uh, I like him at least getting a spot on this show and uh, getting a decent, a pretty impressive looking win. Um, yeah, that that power slam was kind of janky looking, a little bit scary, but um, visually he looks very dominant, and uh, that is that is as it should be with WCW Ron Simmons. So. Um, all told, I mean, I'm being very complimentary of the match, but I mean, in comparison to what we just saw, one and a half stars sounds like an enormous improvement, and that that is exactly where I landed as well on this one. Yes, I also went one and a half. It's one and a half stars across the board. Um, Callum, this, this is the quintessential one and a half star match. It really is. It really is. It's just, it's just a shame it's your world title match. That's all. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think given what uh, Tim's just said, Callum, um, Barbarian sounds like the very definition of a Dr. G good hand. <laughs> I, yes, I think so. Um, can, yes, can, can, can play a lot of roles. Um, yeah, I guess I, that's, a, that's, a fair, that's a fair statement to make. I will, I will take that back to him and I will, um, I will, I will let you know my findings. Maybe, maybe phrase it better than I did, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think you phrased it perfectly. Uh, well, I try. We then, after the match, gentlemen, go up back up to the uh, interview area where Tony and Bruno 
talk about the youth movement in WCW and bring out Eric Watts, who then speaks some mangled English, much like I'm doing, but he just goes with that southern twang and Tony and uh, even Bruno have to uh, suck him off, basically. <laughs> and then Rod joins them. Uh, the world champion, though, has to even put Eric over. Uh, I made a note, gentlemen, nepotism, what nepotism? It's totally ridiculous. Uh, Eric should never wear a suit like that. And when you've got, like, one of the greatest world wrestlers of all time and your world champion as well, basically saying how great you are, you you know, you better be good. And, well, we all know we all know what happens with Eric in the end. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno must have died a little inside saying... Eric Watts is a is a good talent. Eric Watts, I think he, I think he called him a great talent, not just a good. Great, a great talent. Uh, if he said he was in good condition, then I think we'd have been in big trouble. Clearly, he was. Uh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's flashing forward to uh, the TNA run of Eric Watts. <laughs> and that and that little mullet thing he had going was something else as well. He had oh. he had a mullet and he also had curtains. I mean that oh. is a that is a that's a look. That is the combination you 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 know that's the combination you struggle to pull off. Um, but the reason, Jam, they were doing this interview segment is because they had to get the pole ready for the main event for our coal miners glove match between Jake the Snake Roberts and Sting. Uh, I go to Logan first. Um, so my notes basically read that. This is meant to be a lights out match, ultra violent, you know, two guys who hate each other. And we're starting the match with five minutes of lockups and tie ups and just nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, the, the thing I love the most is uh, Jake uh, immediately goes for the goes for the glove like Sting has his uh, back turned. And is uh, kind of hyping the crowd up and everything, and Jake just runs like a coward and tr- tries to start climbing up the pole. Uh, Sting <laughs> quickly realizes it, rips him down. Um, you know that this this is I think this is Jake's last appearance. I don't think he ever comes back and is on TV or anything at all. Uh, so this this is this is one uh, I I don't know. I think Jake was kind of checked out of the business. He just kind of came to WCW because uh, Vince screwed him uh, out of having like a producer role because i think that's all he ever wanted to do was kind of step away from the link ring a little bit maybe make appearances here and there but he wanted to just be a kind of a backstage guy um but i, I would have liked to have seen where he could have gone if he had stayed in wcw for a little bit um jake also goes for the uh the glove again at one random point and gets crotched and he falls in like super super duper slow motion and it's the funniest thing ever um there's a gross chair shot at one point the, those chairs that always had the padding on one side but they always hit them with the metal side i always those thought those uh, chair shots were a little nastier than like the you know the ones that are kind of reinforced to be a little uh get, have a little bit more give to them uh so i thought those were really gross chair shots back in the day um jake hits the ddt at one point and i kind of was disheartened by the fact that sting kind of he didn't no sell it but he didn't sell it for as long as i thought he probably should have because jake started to go for the glove again and i thought maybe jake should have gotten to the glove while he after he hit the ddt though i don't really agree with sting getting up as quick as he did i do love when uh sting swings around the post and hits the forearm yeah. and knocks jake down i thought that was always a great move um the finish to the match is absolutely ridiculous 
uh, Sting finally gets the glove, but uh, uh, Jake gets this, the uh, Cobra from Cactus Jack, who comes out and hands him a bag and a glove to hold the snake with. And <laughs> he gets, like, punched in the middle of the back, and the, the snake is supposed to bite him on the face, but the snake does not cooperate at all at first. And it won't bite him, uh, but then I think it uh, actually ends up does biting him towards the middle part, and uh, it bites a little too hard because he starts bleeding pretty bad. Um, but I just thought this was a real weird way to end the pay per view. I don't think that work throughout it was very bad, but it wasn't very. It didn't like grab you or anything. It, it wasn't exciting. So uh, just the absurdity of it all. I, and I, I thought they put in some good stuff, so I gave it a one. But that's as high as I could go. I, I went to one as well, so we're in good company. Um, I'll tell you why I liked him. I always like a match where you set up a stipulation and then your announcers basically say that you don't have to uh, you abide or, in this case, win with the stipulation. It's just an option, apparently, to use the cold miners glove. You can just yeah. regular match. I mean, I guess that's not entirely unlike a nightstick on a pole match. I mean, you didn't have to beat a dude with a nightstick to win right in in your mm-hmm. classic boss man uh nails feud um but you just can't resist going for it right because you just you have such hatred in your heart for this man you you've got to go for the weapon the iconic weapon in this case being the gold <laughs> miner's glove um and the visual of it is also very ridiculous where it's it's this comically oversized pole with this like little glove sitting on the end of it. <laughs> it also looks like the glove only has four fingers. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that's actually the case or if it's just really a, a bad shot, but um, yeah, of all the stipulations, uh, I don't know how much stock I, I put in the story that they failed to gimmick the wheel at the same time. Why on earth would you purposely choose this as your stip? I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's no Prince of darkness match. Come on. I mean, to think <laughs> we could have seen that, uh, really, it, it, it really makes me long for, you know, that, that alternate reality somewhere out there. There's a world where, where we saw a better version of, uh, of this, match between sting and jake roberts wasn't the story that uh jake was coming into wcw he had like a pretty lucrative uh verbal agreement that he had made with uh kip allen fry and then yes by the time he actually signed oh oh shit it's with my old boss bill watts who hates me uh still from mid-south days correct and watts is like mm, we ain't giving guys that kind of money anymore Some tough shit and uh you know he had a he had a much much worse deal um at the end of the day hence his you know somewhat limited appearances and probably uh limited effort given during this run because i mean he was hot think about hot 92 heel jake was coming out oh, yeah. of like wrestlemania mm. um one of the, if if not the hottest character in wrestling, and now uh, he's coming into WCW, bringing all that heat with him, really should have translated. I mean, there's no reason this had to be the failure that it was, but um, such is life, unfortunately. And we get 
you know, a, a pretty uh, aimless match here between the two of them. This poll is is ridiculously, ridiculously long uh, to try to climb that thing, which, uh, I mean, Sting manages to do as athletic as he is. But it's kind of the same problem as, uh, what was it in uh, uh, 94? The oh, 96, the, the Carson 90, City. Yeah, 90, Bash the Beach, 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver dollar, uh, yeah. Carson City silver dollar. Yeah, and fucking Jimmy Hart had to had to climb the damn thing because yeah, because uh, it was fucking Bubba and Shark, the two fattest. It was Bubba and yeah, I've got that That's very amazing. note. I've got the pose too fucking big. Where's Jimmy Hart when you need him? It said yeah, uh, really. Jr. calls it twenty-five to thirty feet at one point, which is absolutely absurd. <laughs> well, yeah, that's 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 a bit of an exaggeration, but still, I mean, it's it's ignore. You can't even you can't even see the damn uh, coal miner's glove within the within a, a single shot of the ring. You've got to pan up to even get to it. So it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is not much of a match. Uh, even though they they started out hot with this feud, um, these two should have worked and and should have had decent chemistry together. But um, I don't know. I just remember this match being like one of the the legendary entries on the old you know wrestlingcrap.com and and reading about it in the early two thousands. And and when I finally saw the match, I. I don't think it really lived up to or or even lived down <laughs> to the legend. Um, <laughs> it was just, you know, kind of a a sad, disappointing mess to watch all told. So I, I ended up going just a star on this as well. So we're we're right in line, guys. We're pretty consistent with our no, star ratings I, here. No. Tonight, which I I'm pretty surprised, but uh pleased to see. But uh, <laughs> yeah. This one, other than that, that one high spot of Sting, you know, like like was called out, swinging around the pole, that's a very Sting spot to me. Mm. And I, I'm glad we got to see something like that. But um, yeah, this this was just, I guess it was just not meant to be. The the finish too with the uh, the snake is so absurd. Clearly, they're trying to recreate a moment like uh, the the cobra biting uh, Randy Savage, which is just all time insanity. Uh, to my mind when it comes to professional wrestling and uh, they, they could not recreate that magic here in WCW with this very uncooperative snake that uh, <laughs> Jake has to coax into biting him right in the face. <laughs> my memory of the Jake, my memory of the Jake story is slightly different to yours Tim, because I'm sure he talks about it on the DVD dead. And but I think he's got, he's actually got a contract from Kit Fry and apparently, uh, as the meet, as the story goes, there's a meeting between him and Watts, and Watts rips the contract up in front of him, and says, "Like you say, we can't, we can't afford to pay that. You've no chance." And because obviously he's bridges with Vince, it's like, "Well, I've got to take this deal." Yeah, he can't go back to WWF. Yeah. Uh, so now, Callum, now, Callum, I am glad that Tim mentioned that that code because. He's probably doing the least work of the three in this match. I thought he was—he was being a very co- uncooperative son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I—that's—that's the—that's the note I have. My final note is what a crap convoluted finish, which didn't even work. I—they—they they tried to redo the savage thing, but just failed miserably. Uh, 
Um, and it was only, it was, I mean, that was less than a year ago. Yeah. Com- compared to that time. So it's like. Hard to believe. Uh, and to your point, I mean, the, the blow off to Savage was what? The February? The Savage Jake blow off was the February of that year? The February so, Saturday night's main event? Uh, yeah, that Saturday night's main event. So yeah. you're, you're talking seven, eight months, and Jake has just gone downhill so far. Um, WC, like you could tell, he just couldn't give two flying fucks. He just didn't. He didn't. He didn't care at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I was. I was more. I was more interested in, in, in as I said, the coal mining history of um, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, because I thought. Have you done some research for as it would as it would happen, yes. Um, now I thought this was at this like coal miners glove, this just reeks of Bill Watts. Um and I thought my note is again apologies for any ignorance here. Um I I, I, I come from a different country altogether. Um, this might have worked in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, but is uh, but is there a big coal mining industry in Pennsylvania? Well apparently there is. In <laughs> Pennsylvania has the largest number, the largest quantity of abandoned uh, mines in the US, and has a coal region. Um, coal region of, of, of uh, Pennsylvania includes, um, according to wikivoyage.org forward slash wiki forward slash coal under, underscore region, um, includes the cities of Jim Thorpe, which is a lovely town with a lot of history, is known as the Switzerland of Pennsylvania. Um, it, it has a uh, Centralia, famous for an underground coal mine fire that 50 years later is still burning. The entire town has been abandoned except for a few small, a few, a small few who refuse to leave their native town. This area is a dangerous, burning ghost town and the most famous such town in Pennsylvania. Living sounds there, like a microcosm of America right now. <laughs> I was going to say, living there sounds like a better existence than watching Chono and Rude. Um, it also. It also, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it also includes um, Wilkes Bar, which I always remember because it was always one of the towns that was at the bottom of Monday Night Raw going, we're going to Wilkes Bar next week. Next Saturday, <laughs> we're fucking the Wilkes Bar Civic Centre. Um, and finally, it's got a small town that you may or may not have heard of um, on the television of Scranton. Oh. Anyway, this match right. was a star. All right, wait. So this begs the question. I, I think that that history of coal mining and the great state of Pennsylvania, uh, the Keystone State, if you will, um, <laughs> lends credence lends credence to the theory that it was not it was no accident that the the uh, wheel was was not gimmicked that that in fact it was it was deliberate that this uh, this coal miners glove stipulation was made to take place here so. My question for you guys is, is it more damning that they chose this match on purpose or that they were stupid enough to not gimmick the wheel and got stuck with this match? Um, well, I can I can tell you that um, Coal Region, Pennsylvania, is nowhere close to Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, not even fucking close. Allentown is quite close to it. Allentown's just outside of it. Uh, greetings from... Um, but yes, I think it is. When you look at all the different uh, stipulations that are on that wheel, they've picked the absolute worst. 
Oh yeah, they put the worst one. I mean, this they? is this is. There could have been any. Could have put anything. Um, you could have had if you wanted to make it special. You could have had Bruno be the be the ref or something. But yeah, I think it's. I think it is more damning that they actually chose it. But I can completely understand, given who's in charge, why they chose it. The incompetence. Yeah. Of because the man, the man is stuck. It's nineteen ninety two. The man is stuck in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, yeah. I also about Cole Region, Pennsylvania. I've just noticed here um, they have a unique regional dialect described as Northern American accent tinged with various British Isles dialects. So oh. Ben, get we're we're going over there. We we can we can take a trip in WrestleMania forties in, in Philadelphia. We'll go yes. to Cole Region. Um, people uh, all people call each other butt as an abbreviated form of buddy or or bud. Whole so butt is a common greeting. As in what this show is, but <laughs> <laughs> a common greeting, but not meant to be an insult, is whole butt. So well, there well, you go. That's a Welsh thing to say, but I know, yes, I know that. Well, so we are we are gonna get our whole butts to Cold Region, Pennsylvania. Now, Tim, when you say this show is but I, I take it you talk about Halloween Havoc and not this show. Correct. Yes, this right. show is delightful as ever. I just want—I just like to check these things. <laughs> yep. So yep. no, I understand. That is the end of this show, but it's not the end of our show because we've got some awards to go out. So I'll stick with Tim. Uh, what was your favorite match on the show, Tim? Well, <laughs> I guess it was our our tag team title match, our, our unified world tag team championship. Okay, uh, Logan. Going by the stars. Mm, yeah, as like going by stars, that was my favorite, but uh, not not much inspired on the show. Callum. Yes, by process of elimination, the match I hated the least was the tag team title match. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be outvoted because I went Vader Nikita and because uh, I didn't like the tag title match at all. But I can I'm happy to be on that island by myself. So uh, we'll give it to that. Uh, worst match of the night. I think we know. I think we might know what Callum's vote is, but I just want to clarify it. Sorry, you waiting for me to speak. Yes, sorry. <laughs> Apologies, it's very late. Um, yes, it is. It's it's Chono versus Root. Okay, and Tim. Um. Yeah. Anytime you've got a contender for worst match. Um that a panelist has ever seen slash worst match of all time. I, I think it's no contest there. That, that made our jobs pretty easy. Uh, Logan, clean sweep, I'm guessing. Yeah, hundred percent. Excellent. Uh, so Logan, uh, most surprising match of the night and surprising means surprisingly good or surprisingly bad. I'll go with Vader and Nikita. I, I I expected it to kind of be a bludgeon fest, but I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, Callum? I, I'm going to go Pillman Steamboat, I, purely for the, my criticism that I had earlier on, that I thought it was going to be better. Yes. Uh, Tim? Yeah, I'm going to back up Logan and say uh, Vader Nikita. That was that was a, a real pleasant surprise for me. I was, I was prepared to be bored to tears by that, and it kind of that- wrecked my world. I, I've also voted for Vader Nikita, but I'm going to give a little writing vote for after Callum's eight-star swing to the Chono Rude match because uh, <laughs> we, should have been, 
we obviously should have expected better. Oh. We... By that logic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Eight-star swing on a five-star scale is uh, <laughs> it's physics-defying. Now, Logan, the last few shows, we've not been able to give out the uh, Sean Kidd Award for the biggest shit take of the night, but uh, I don't know, Callum's JR rant might might ruffle a few feathers. What are you saying? Nah, I, I kind of somewhat agree with him a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't really th- think that there was too many shit takes tonight, so I don't really have one off the top of my head. But, but I say we might we we're, we're getting far too much in agreement on here. We might have to start retiring this. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, Tim, can you think about any any shit takes anybody's given? Because apart from apart from that one, I'm struggling. To be fair, we've been in yeah, agreement. I mean... Apart from my suggestion, maybe that they uh, that they did gimmick the wheel and did purposely choose to do the Cole Myers glove, that could be a shit take. Uh, depending on, I don't know how much you supposedly know or don't know about the inner workings of WCW at this time. <laughs> I'm just saying, it seems like a type of thing that look they had a shitty match, they got roundly criticized for it. So what do you do? You go, you call up Dave Meltzer and go, well, well, you know what the, well, the problem was, it was the wrong match. We, we weren't even <laughs> supposed to have the match. And, you know, we got backed into a corner because some dumbass forgot to gimmick the wheel. You know, I could totally, <laughs> totally see them making like excuses, you know, you know what I mean? And like Dave Meltzer being like, oh, what a scoop. I got here. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. Like you, you could give me the shit take of the night. I, I would fully embrace it. Um, if I was going to award someone else shit take of the night, I would give yeah Callum the gentleman shit take with his his uh, his Jr. Um, you know uh, hatred, which I, I don't even entirely disagree with, but many people will. <laughs> I think I think yeah we've we've given many gentlemen to, uh, marks out tonight, so I, I'm with Tim. I think a gentleman shit take to you, Callum. Or yeah, if you're a big Rick Rude, Mark, you could say my Rick Rude take, but um, yeah, but I kind that, of agree, yeah. I kind of agree with you on that in ring, yeah, and no, he he doesn't he's not exactly great in ring, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm I, I I think I said it at the start that it was probably shit take worthy, so I'm I'm quite happy to I'm quite happy to nominate myself if that's allowed. <laughs> now, now as you know, we usually we do have the special hidden gem award, which uh, Tim did mention in passing for Pillman and. Pillman and Steamboat, but also Nikita Vader might be in the mix for that. But we've all been up and down with that story tonight. So, Callum, have you, do you think either of them deserve hidden gem status? Um, I, I, I think you could. I think you could make an argument for it. I am. Um, I may not make the argument for it, but I would. I would like to. I would like to extend um, the biggest hidden gem, and it was the um, unscheduled match between Medusa and Polly. Oh, now yes. Yes, that's, that's a, it. It's if you can not watch it through twenty twenty two eyes, it was a different time. We have come a long way in the in the thirty years since, but that is a that was an incredible couple of minutes of um, of pay per view television, premium live uh, event television. I I I I forgot that, so I'm very happy with that right and vote. I will that I will accept that. Yes, how about you, Tim? Yeah, you know what? That's a pretty good pick. I, I will back that up. Um, in lieu of like an actual match, because I don't think any of the matches were worthy of, of being considered hidden gems. Pleasant surprises, sure, but let's not go crazy. Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, just I mean that whole segment is is just hysterical, complete with Vader and Harley being like, "Fuck out of here!" I don't want any They're part standing of this. there like, "What the I, hell?" That I mean, that's just kind of the the cherry on top. Uh, Logan, when you get to this on part eighty six of the Dangerous Alliance pod, um, I hope you give it the full respect you deserve. It deserves. Yeah, I was, and I didn't get to call out the fact that, uh, despite her usual atrocity, uh, uh, Medusa was looking quite hachi-machi tonight, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give her that. Um, she's usually not very attractive, and she's usually awful on the mic, and her quote-unquote karate is pretty pretty batshit awful, <laughs> so. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'll give her some props tonight. She was pretty good in her little uh, fired-up segment, but yeah. I, I thought for a second I, I had to put my glasses on to make sure it was Polly because it kind of sounded like Jim Cornette. So I wasn't quite <laughs> sure there for a second oh, wow. uh, on that promo. But yeah, it was very fired up and I thought it was well delivered, despite the fact that it might not be uh, uh, very 2022, I'll, I'll say. Um, yes. But yeah, those matches were good, but I wouldn't I wouldn't consider of them either of them. Mm. Gyms. They're like yeah, right, yeah. They're, the tier right below, like what Tim said is uh, exactly how I feel. Uh, I'll I'll stick with you, Logan, because you might well be giving Medusa this next award. I don't know, but the uh, Fashion Statement Award winner of the night. Yeah, you know, I will I will give it to her with the she had like the really long uh, black gloves and she had this like uh, I, not leopard print but some kind of print dress on and I thought she looked uh, pretty good tonight. So I actually will give it to Medusa. Okay, uh, Callum. Um, I would like to give it to uh, Jesse Ventura's Halloween outfit. Excellent choice. <laughs> Uh, Tim? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I think, in fact, uh, I uh, went trick-or-treating in a, like, Grim Reaper costume for Halloween this very same year. Uh, so I, I, I am of the same mind as Jesse here, perhaps. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to go with uh, Steve Austin doing his, his uh, full-size Jonathan Gresham cosplay. Uh <laughs> But yeah, his Medusa tights were very does. small, by the way. I don't think any of us pointed that out. They were uh, very, uh, they were pretty, they're quite short. tiny. He had some biz- just bizarre looking boots and he had the, the meaty thighs <laughs> that he always had back then. But uh, it was all just, um, it was a lot going on with it in his white national haircut. Um, but uh, sorry. Um, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's just, I mean, other than picking somebody in the crowd, uh, I, I think I will say Medusa as well. She she was um, pretty striking looking. <laughs> um, I did pick somebody in the crowd. It's going to be Vladimir with his uh, yeah. WCS oh, yes. top on. It's like you cannot get more 992 than that, my friend. So, yeah, I went Vladimir. Uh, Callum, Final award before the league table, and of course, it's the most important award of the night. Uh, is this show solid or shit? This is a, a, a very easy one. This is total shit. Total shit. Right. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna bump it up a bit there. No. <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, how about same question for you? Oh my God! This is utter doo doo shite. Oh, <laughs> this is one of the worst. I mean, this is one of the worst wrestling shows I've watched in a long time, and and that's saying a lot. <laughs> I mean, this was a struggle. This really, because you know, it's the cardinal sin of not just being bad, 
but being bad and boring. There's not like a lot of entertaining bad to really, you know, almost redeem it or elevate it. It's just, it's that, that awful, awful intersection of bad plus boring. And uh, for, for a professional wrestling show, you, there's no coming back from that. And for our king of our culinary delights, uh, Logan, is this solid or shit? Uh, it's definitely shit. Um, I'm not going to go complete and utter shit quite because I think if a few things had been a bit tighter and a few things could have been booked a little better, maybe timing gets displaced a little bit. Uh, you know, some some time gets moved from here to here or here to there. I think this card could have been a little bit better, um, but it's probably uh, it's probably that chicken salad that's been there for about a week, kind of sitting on the counter. It's also kind of expired. So you're probably going to eat it and immediately shit your pants. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not good, but it could have been good if you had eaten it when you set it on the counter in the first place. You kind of forgot about it, I guess. <laughs> okay, let's go to the, our lead <laughs> table now. Um, it's a clean sweep because it is all to do do shit, as uh, Tim said. Now, as Tim also made a very good point. This show isn't just bad, it is boring. There's also on our league table, at number 12, we have Uncensored 1995, which is bad, but entertaining. And I would much rather watch that than this. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, that's a, worse. Way worse than that. Okay, so that's number 12. So I will read up and then, like, if anybody wants to shout out when I, when I get to one that's around this level, then we'll go from there. So, Number 11, SummerSlam 2010. 10, Royal Rumble 06. 9, Great American Bash of 91. 8, D-Generation X 97. 7, King of the Ring 95. Survivor Series 99. Halloween Havoc 99. Super Brawl 2000. Full Brawl 99. And Full Brawl 93. Is our number one? No, Bash of the Beach '99 is number one. Oh yes, we checked. Yes, sorry, yes, yes. Oh, sorry, you are correct. Bash of the Beach '99 is our number one. So I would either put it between King of the Ring '95 and In Your House DX, or In Your House DX and Great American Bash '91. I could be convinced. I can be convinced of either of those. Okay. I think, uh, I think DX '97. I can easily say that's more watchable than this show. Yes. It's got that Rock Austin match in it. King of the Ring 95 is dreadful. Um, it's hard to say this is worse than King of the Ring 95, but I, I can hear that argument. Okay, Callum? Not sure I, I'm hearing it, though. I would... I would... I would put it. I would put it between Havoc '99 and Survivor Series '99. Oh wow! Because I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a King of the Ring '95 truther. I don't think it's okay. as bad as everyone says it is. The Survivor Series '99 has at least got. Um, I I again I've I'm not I I don't look down on that as much as other people do. It's got the Austin thing. It's got the Austin getting run over. Um. So it's at least get something on it. Um, the first half of the the first half of the show was all right, but the second half of the show just really tanked it for me. 
how about we compromise and we put it in between Survivor Series 99 and King of the Ring 95 into seventh spot? I can, I can, I can agree with that. that, that, that. Let's, 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 let's go with that. I think that I, seems fair. I can wow. F with that. The first <laughs> half of Survivor Series 99's card is probably the worst, like, four or five shows. Or four or five matches oh. you could possibly have booked. I'm just changing this now while we're talking. Yes. Yeah, I, I just don't remember enough about that show. But again, it's it's hard to think that it was less that a that a '99 WWF pay per view kind of as middling as as those could be. It's it's hard to think that it's it's less watchable again than, there was, than what we just saw. I mean the. If you have the same card in two thousand when everyone's actually over, I think it's I think it'd be remembered much better. But there was nothing on other than the women's eight women match. Oh yeah. There's nothing on that on that show that touches how bad Chono Rude was. And and even and even like the, the the eight women match gets a pass because it involved Terry Runnels who'd never wrestled before. It involved two geriatrics. Involved. <laughs> uh, who else is in that match? Was the cat in that it's match? Maybe not. A comedy match, right? Yeah, and Deborah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, and it didn't last. It didn't outstay its welcome. It was like three and a half minutes or something. The entrances took longer. It wasn't even two minutes actually. Was it not? Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. A, I'm happy with seven. So I'm, I've, I've. I've put it in there for seventh for now. We can so change. We, we can change. Top, top ten all time bad here. We just yeah. Discovered. Okay. Yeah. You know, when we bring the guests out, Tim, yeah, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go big for it. You can't. We can't just give you some middling show. Yeah. So two, your your two, two of your shows, uh, Tim, have uh, made it in the bottom ten or the top ten. <laughs> Would have been how you looked at it because you did uh, Havoc ninety nine with us as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> I did have it. I and you know what I stand by that as as top five all time bad. Yeah, to be fair, I'm looking at I'm looking at this now. So like Rory's Rory's done the Rory does the rumbles. Matt's done the Super Bowl. Whenever we get the guests on, we know we have to give them shit. <laughs> all right, okay. gentlemen. I I think it is time for some plugs. So Tim, while you're here, have you got anything you'd like to plug or tell the ladies and gentlemen about? Uh, well, I, I host a pair of regular wrestling podcasts on Place B Nation Wrestling. They are called uh, PTB NXT. That's with myself and Jennifer Smith and Jacob Williams. Going chronologically through play, uh, NXT during the network era, as we refer to it. So we started uh, at the beginning of 2014. We are uh, kind of in the first quarter-ish, second quarter uh, of 2015 and the run-up to uh, a takeover and in the midst of a um, Alex Riley return to the ring from the uh, commentary <laughs> booth, which oddly enough, we are kind of uh, weirdly captivated by. <laughs> so check that out if you're an NXT fan, certainly fan of the early days of NXT. Jenny uh, and I, with our friend Greg Phillips, also do a WCW regular podcast. It is called talking wcw where we cover matches concepts uh pay-per-view types all things wcw um and our 
episode we've got coming up, I guess timely enough for the month of October, going to be centered on Halloween Havoc. So we're each going to have a representative match that we will talk about from the fabled history of Halloween Havoc. Will we talk about anything from this show? Uh, stay tuned. I, I, I of, dare you to pick Root, Jonah. I'm kind of <laughs> considering something from, from this video. We'll do it. See. I don't do know it. if I can force. I don't know if I could force Greg and Jenny to watch that that atrocity. Um, Ch- Chamber of Horrors. <laughs> well, I'm sure someone's gonna pick that. Uh, so, so you can look forward to that uh, very soon as well. Uh, we haven't actually recorded it yet, but I'm confident that it will happen. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, always a little bit, always a little bit dodgy promoting a show that hasn't actually uh, <laughs> gone into the can. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, but you've got you've got the idea ready, so you've, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's the thought that counts, right? Exactly, exactly right. Uh, yep, Callum, uh, any... oh, go on, sorry. Beyond that, you can, sorry, uh, yep, uh, last show being uh, off a, kind of a different path, not, not so much professional wrestling, but uh, still the, the very soap operatic uh, Beverly Hills 90210, JT and myself host 9021 Noso on its very own feed. It is a spinoff of the North South Connection podcast network, but 9021 Noso you'll find on its own feed. We are reviewing episode by episode the classic, iconic 90s teen drama, Beverly Hills 90210. We are early in the second season. We have a special guest with us each and every episode, and our latest guest was actually. Someone that you'll hear that you're hearing on this podcast, Logan Crosland. So it's going to be, ah. I don't know, a week or so before you can hear him on that edition of 90210. So we've got episodes dropping every three weeks uh, of that great podcast. But uh, something to look forward to if you want to hear some more from uh, Logan. So I we're very pleased to have him on. And uh, we look forward to having. Um, our great guest on every episode of 90210. So maybe we'll get you guys, the Brits, in there as well to get your takes on American high school culture in the early <laughs> 90s. I, I, do like a, I do like a good high school romp now and again. Uh, but yes. if you do want to hear more, Logan, let's hear from him now. Logan, what have you got to plug, my friend? <laughs> Um, yes, I am on that episode. It was quite fun. We had a good time. Uh, so listen to that when it comes out. Um, YouTube roulette. I do that with a, uh, with, uh, Jake Schiff, Souza and Sean, when he decides to grace us with his presence, I believe he is, uh-huh. is going to be on the next one. So, uh, that's <laughs> coming up. Uh, highway to the impact zone. We just recorded the two episodes after, uh, Genesis on the way to turning point. Uh, so th- that was a pretty good episode uh, that'll come out uh, probably way before this uh, episode comes out. But uh, it-, it comes out as of this recording. It comes out Thursday. So uh, it'll come out later this week. And the Danger Pod we've talked about, uh, Seven Months of Danger. We've talked about it throughout the whole show. Uh, that's going through the Dangerous Alliance storyline. We just recorded. Uh, we double record episodes. So we just recorded episode number five and six. And I think episode number five actually comes out this Sunday. So. Um, yeah, just check out everything on all the feeds, uh, everything Tim was talking about. He does great stuff with, uh, Jenny and, uh, Jake and, uh, Greg there. Um, but just check out all the feeds, the no, so pop and, uh, wrestling feed. So, uh, everybody's doing great stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, Callum, anything that you would like to direct the good ladies and gentlemen to? Um, 
yes, if you wish to um, listen to me ramble um, more, um, but in a slightly more inebriated state, um, listen to the latest episode of the Special Relations. Um, <laughs> we are we were live on location at the Clash at the Clash at the Castle. Um, before, during, and after, um, everything uh, is is on there. Um, so that released uh, a a couple of weeks a couple of weeks back now. Yeah, that's all right. Um, and we will be we will be doing another regular episode of the special solutions at some point. Getting back on that saddle, um, I will be on after a brief um, work related hiatus. I will be back on at least the next couple of episodes of uh, NWA Crock and Roll as we will discuss uh, the Great American Bash to nineteen eighty six. Um, so and all the exciting fun escapades that that, that, that had the um, in the run-up we, we realized that they may have um i think the technical term is spunked a lot of money against the wall trying to put this tour on um a ridiculous amount of cash went behind this it's any wonder why jim crockett promotions went under not long after um yeah so that's uh, that that's and also the starflation podcast with ben and logan where we um uh, adjust for inflation from the five star to the seven star scale, um, melts are five star rated matches from before June twenty eighteen. Uh, we've done four of them, uh, four, three, three of them so three, far. Three, yeah, three of them so far. far. We're, we're we're going to do our fourth, um, and they've been a lot of fun, uh, eye opening, um, and a and a few a, a, a couple of occasions, um. But yeah, that's all for me for the the pod side, and of uh, of course always the um, the the, the uh, live streaming services twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation, uh, place to be nation all one word on YouTube, facebook.com forward slash ptbn live, and Twitter at ptbn youtube. Uh, yeah, eye eye opening and eye wincing at times, I would say. Oh, okay. yeah, oh, absolutely. Particularly when you're watching six man tags from ROH at that, that time period. Um, you guys have mentioned everything I'm on, so all I will say is uh, we're getting back on the pop. We're getting back on the popcorn chicken salad uh, train this month. Uh, I expect to see uh, a quote unquote scary film, maybe a scary movie. Soft tease. Uh, so yeah, we'll be definitely doing that. And I say uh, special relations and highway the impact zone and starflation as well. Uh, so. Thank you very much, Tim, as always, when you come on for us. It's great. And, uh, you know, absolutely brilliantly here with us again. So thank you very much. Thank you for uh, reserving some of the all-time, truly all-time worst for me. I, I, uh, it's a real pleasure doing this show, uh, even if what we're watching is, is not bringing me so much pleasure. <laughs> Only the best slash worst for you, my friend. You should know that. Uh, thank you as always to Callum and Logan for being here and remember everybody in a world where you could be anything that you want to be be kind thank you so much for listening to Chicken Stars and we will see you again next month
Worth it. Africans need to be loving each other and unite. 